Welcome to the I'll Finish That podcast, where we chat about managing our weight goals and daily life challenges. I'm your host, Lawrence, and today I'm joined by Dr. Jessica Vera, aka my sister. Welcome. <laughs> hey, Lawrence. So glad to be here. No, I'm so excited to have you join us today. Um, starting this podcast and this journey, uh, you've been a big part of it and a motivator for sure throughout my life, but more so throughout this too. So once it started going, I couldn't have think of a better guest to have you on and you can dabble into so many different topics, which I'm excited about to come through on your side. So thank you for coming on. My privilege and always my pleasure. Always my pleasure. Love it. Now you're, we're doing this one over Zoom because you're in the nice warm weather of Florida. <laughs> You bailed on us Canadians a long time ago to get down there, but I don't, I'm not jealous. I'm happy for you. And um, no judgment. <laughs> you've had a really exciting professional career. So I'd love to share that story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Oh, wow. Okay. So professional background. So it started in Toronto, right? It started in Canada and it started in the um, disability management arena. I went to school, of course, like everybody, and did psychology and did my master's and thought, well, let me jump into the systems that existed in Toronto at that time. And it was insurance. And so came up with a strategy and solution and then started my own companies in disability management and vocational reintegration, working with indemnity systems. Went really well for a couple of years, but then got a little bit boring, decided needed something else to do and I hated the cold met my partner in life my husband and he was being transferred to South America but before that to Florida so I said oh Florida sounds good and I need to do my PhD let me jump because I did my master's in um in New York State so I thought well let me keep going so I went and got my PhD in psychology and in forensics and in um, development and leadership through a state university in Florida and then went on to license and do you know a lot of practitioner work so I do a lot of transformation psychology work forensic work for the state um, and I've had the opportunity and the blessing to be able to use all these giftings to kind of work in a whole bunch of different segments so I worked in corporate America private private business. And then recently I started a nonprofit um, for a cause. Yep. That's it in a nutshell. In between there, mom of two beautiful girls. <laughs> yes, two of my nieces that have two beautiful girls and they're both off to, well, one's in college now. Um, oh. Yeah, oh. both are off in college now. So they're, it seems like yesterday I can even remember being a young uncle and now they're all grown up and I've got two kids of my own. So the circle, circle of life definitely continues. And it was the other interesting fact when we started talking about was when you said like, yeah, I had a transformation myself. I had to think back and I had to go, when I was like, I was just like, what are we talking about here? Like, I knew there were so many other mental health stuff we can talk about and, and your foundations. And I was like, okay, I really want to hear this story myself too. So I'm excited. Um, and we were talking a little bit before starting to record about that. And it comes back to one of the biggest things that I want to be able to talk to with different guests is being a mom. It, oh, yeah kind of went from that story. So where did that kind of journey start? Where did you realize like, hey, I'm, I want to lose weight, I got to start this journey? <laughs> yeah. You know, it never really started with, it wasn't like, oh, I need to lose weight. It was, I got to tell you the context, the backstory. So, you know, 
as you know, we have some similarity in back culture, but not all, right? I'm like totally immersed in Latin culture. Mom was like Latina, right? And so in that culture, there's this mindset that you kind of like transfer the wisdom, right? Like the next generation under the next generation. So it's from one woman to the next. So she used to tell me, oh, I was like a, a spaghetti my whole life. And then the minute I got pregnant, they used to tease me and call me the spaghetti with a knot. And then as soon as I had my baby, it's like, boop, you plop the baby, it's all done. And she'd go right back to her spaghetti frame. Okay, so I actually bought into that. <laughs> and when I had my first daughter, which was like, I was young, I was in my 20s when I had my first daughter. And so of course, this folktale, <laughs> now I know it's a folktale, right? Um, I bought into it. And so of course, and you know, dad, he's Italian and food is big, right? As far, in addition to Latin. So it's like, you don't get off that table till you finish eating everything. And he cooks like a chef for 50 people, not one person. <laughs> and so it was like, eat, eat, you're eating for two, you're eating for two. So I was 114, almost 15 when I did my um, start, I found out I was pregnant And I got up to 192 pounds with my first child because of the love of our parents (laughs) just feeding us, right? More, more, more. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So here's the joke. I'm in labor. I did 22 hours of labor. had to have an emergency C-section because the baby um, swallowed her own mycobium. And when that happened, you know, as a woman in this part, you might not fully understand (laughs) It's like, you know, you the birthing process is supposed to be the process where you push out the baby, right? But with the baby pushes out everything else, supposedly, right? As mom had told me. And I didn't get to do that because we had to do an emergency C-section. So didn't have that. And then lo and behold, when I wake up on the other side, you know, I had my mom and my husband bring me my pre-pregnancy clothes. <laughs> So my pajamas and my jeans were from when I wasn't pregnant because I'm sitting here going, and listen, I'm an intelligent woman, but I still bought this crap. And I'm sitting there going, I should be able to get into these jeans. <laughs> so I get up. First of all, I just had this child. And of course, I'm in awe of this new child. But when I go to sit up, I couldn't sit up, Florence. I had no control of my abdomen because it had cut through my muscles. Right. So there was number one, right? break a fallacy then I look down and no it's not gone (laughs) you know as a matter of fact it's not gone and it's even bigger like my entire torso they said that they had to put me fully to sleep because when I was laying down for the c-section I started to code because I couldn't breathe because the amount of weight that I had gained was against my chest so they had to invert me to deliver the baby so I was really edemic. I was very swollen, like full of, full of fluids because of that. So, you know, all kidding aside, I really didn't recognize myself when I woke up. I was like, mom, you liar. You, <laughs> lied, to me. you lied to me. But then on top of that, it's like, okay, what just happened? I'm even bigger. <laughs> Did they take her out or not? <laughs> okay. So that was the joyous comedic part, right? But then comes the postpartum. Right. And so you're like now at home, you have this new bundle of wonderful and you're not sleeping and she's colicky. And, you know, and then, of course, I was edemic. So the stitches didn't seal. So I had an open wound for the first, you know, 60 days. So I didn't want to eat, but I wasn't losing weight because it was still retaining fluid. Fast forward, we're at a year and I still I'm looking and I'm going, what the hell happened here? (laughs) 
you know, I'm no longer this, I'm a small frame, like I'm all a five foot nothing and I'm a small frame. So there's really no reason like that I can almost carry 200 pounds. I can't, like my body was like sluggish. I fell into depression. I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, couldn't even be there for the baby. I remember there was times where we had to get a wet nurse because I couldn't get up. Like I couldn't physically get up and then I couldn't emotionally get up at one point. So fast forward to a year and I struggled with being like on average 60 to 70 pounds overweight. And it might not sound like a lot, like I said, but when you put it into the context of being, you know, five foot nothing and just shy wet of 150 normally for the better part of my life. And then all of a sudden in one of those moments when it should be all about joy and renewed and motherhood, and I should be enjoying it. I was like entrenched in depression and just um, beating myself up. Cause what's wrong with me that I can't get back to where I should be. Right. Well, I think that struggles real, right. And you say it's not a lot, but that, that is a lot because to you, that was a lot of oh my God, yeah. that you wanted to take back off. And I talk to people almost on the regular, like, Oh, I just want to lose 10 pounds or I want to lose a hundred pounds. And whatever your number is, that's your goal. You've decided that you want to be at. So mentally, if you're not at that goal, you're going to struggle. And it could be something as small as 10 pounds. It could be 200 pounds and whatever that is, if you're struggling to hit that number, it's something that's real. And the postpartum depression, obviously I didn't go through that, but my wife dealing with her, when we had our two kids definitely saw a change in her also. So I, I think that's real. And one of the things that I'm happy to bring you on to talk about the story is I want women to know that they're not alone through this. I think that sometimes women think they are alone when they're going through this. And my wife felt alone and she reached out to her mother and was able to get support from that side. But it is, it is real. Postpartum depression is a real thing that we, for whatever reason, it's nothing you learn about prior to having a kid. They slightly talk about it after you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. but it's just something that seems to be like, it's just normal. Don't worry about it. And I think that's yeah. wrong. Like, I think we need to look into this. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. It's probably one of the reasons that reaffirmed to me that I needed to go back and study more. Right. Honestly, at that point I hadn't done my PhD yet. So that was definitely some of it. And um, it is, it is very tangibly real. And it has, you know, now we know because we've done a lot of studies on it. Now we know that the mortality rate of not just the mother, but of the children, because typically what ends up happening when it gets very bad and it's untreated, it can cause a psychotic break. Mm. And when that occurs, you know, the woman hears things that will want to get rid of her children. Right. right? They see that as the target of the psychosis. And that isn't the case. It's just the, the brain is not functioning as it should. So it's very, very real and it's very serious. And unfortunately, there is a stigma, right? As a woman who just gave up birth to a life, there's this perception that you should be strong and you're there and you're giving life, right? And so it kind of doesn't lend itself to being vulnerable and saying, oh, but you know what? I can't even get up. I can't even. And then you and you beat yourself up too, because the other side of that is, well, why am I not getting up to take care of this life I just gave? And like, there's a huge pressure on yourself. And then there's the outside pressure of what you're supposed to look like, like, and feel like, and talk like, and be doing. And when that, when there's a lot dissonance, that disconnect between those two causes a lot of, a lot of real problems. Yeah. So so you have the stigmatism and the challenge of the postpartum depression, 
you see mm-hmm. your weight and that's back early 2000s i think it was yeah. right in um well yeah very early 2000s samantha was born in 1997 so it was like right there at the end of the yeah, turn late 90s uh, early that's horrible okay <laughs> anyways <laughs> but that goes back to where i think the world has changed a little bit but it was all about being skinny it was in your face as a woman that you had to be skinny so you're dealing with postpartum depression you've gained weight because of your pregnancy and, and different things like that. And now all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and be like, I can't do this anymore. I got to get down to my size. So where, where did you start attacking? What was the attack goal there? So here's the thing, right? All my life, I bounced those 10 pounds that you referred to. So you're right. absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head for us. You know, the, those numbers became so critical in that, in that season, because there was a lot of emphasis in the media and everything about body image, like what you should look like. So I can remember even as a teenager bouncing 10, 15 pounds and always going on these fat diets, you know, get rid of the protein, get rid of, get rid of the carbs, get rid of this, get rid of that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> there's nothing left to eat. Um, And so when I was a little older and hopefully a little wiser, you know, and I realized, okay, just something's not cool here. Something's not working out right. Um, The first thing I did, honestly, is I looked to the medical community. I went and, you know, had blood work done and things like that to figure out, are my hormones really where they need to be because of just having gone through what I did? My body went through a major, major ordeal. um, And I found out they weren't. So I found out that my thyroidism had actually became hypothyroid and um, which means it slows down considerably. So I have to work harder with uh, beefing up my metabolism, whereas others, it could go hyper and it means that they lose weight really fast and they didn't do anything. Right. So I had to check that. So for women, hormone balances and thyroid function and adrenal functions after giving birth is something that's really critical to understand about yourself. Once I knew that, then I went to see an endocrinologist and I said, hey, I'm having this issue. Um, and once we could get that balanced a little bit, then I had like a renewed kind of energy, I would say, in the sense that um, my body felt a little bit different. Um, and then it was about healthy. I mean, I got away from numbers and I got away from the mindset of um, body image. And more importantly, I put in the forefront an image of the baby. Like Samantha was my, my motivation. Like I would put Samantha's picture up front and I would say, you know, it's not about what I look like. It's about, I want to be here for her. Like I want to be healthy for her. I want to be balanced for her. I don't want to have these mood swings <laughs> and I don't want to feel like crap every time I go out. And I don't want to go out and people say, say, Oh, are you having a baby sister? <laughs> so all of those things, really did cross my mind. Um, And then I did Weight Watchers because I found that of all the different crazy fad things that I had done over the years, Weight Watchers seemed to be at that time, right? Because it's really changed now. But at that time, it seemed to be much more wellness oriented. It was kind of balancing. It wasn't telling you to take anything away. It was telling you to be more mindful about portions, combinations, and timing. Like when do you eat? How much do you eat? And then what do you mix and not mix with one another? Um, and then like I am, as you know, I will go crazy and I dove a little deeper and I found out, you know, blood types have a lot to do with it. Like what your blood type is tells you the kinds of foods you shouldn't eat and the kinds of foods that would be more edifying to your body. So I did a little bit more research and more and more (laughs) until I landed on the reality that it was calories in calories out. (laughs) I love it. And eventually it gets to that. 
And yet you talked about fad diets back in the day. And obviously there's a market and people want to make money. And I'm all for people trying to make money. I don't ever want to stop anybody or think that that's not what the world revolves around. You got everybody's in business to try to make money, but it comes down to, I don't care what diet I've heard about. It's calories in calories out and weight watchers. Maybe you can correct me because I haven't looked into it that much, but isn't that essentially their MO it's you get points. So if, you get X amount of points and you try to eat within your points and then you're successful. Yep. It's an exchange system. Exactly that. Right. The only thing I would tell you that with that kind of structured program, whether it's Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, you know, any of them, Jenny Craig, all of them, what I realized was as I got more educated, more informed, it was the more natural the foods were, the less toxic they were. So a lot of those diets, it's prepackaged, pre-made, pre-processed. Right. And so you know, we now know today that anything processed is horrific because the things that they use to process in and of themselves are toxic for our bodies. So it became more about wellness, but the principle was the same calories in calories out. And, you know, can you burn more doing one thing versus another? Yeah. So learn, like if I run a mile at my top heart rate versus I walk for five hours, (laughs) you know, one's going to have a greater impact than the other, (laughs) but both are good. Both are good. So yeah. you, you got on to uh, those are the Weight Watchers. How long did the journey take oh. to get to your goal goal? So it's a lifelong journey, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, I could I took off the pregnancy weight, but I'm not going to tell you I took it off the most healthy weight. Like I, I got into this, it needs to come off, it needs to come off now. <laughs> right. And so when you said to me, I don't even recall seeing you like that. You would know because I sequestered myself. <laughs> I like for a whole year was on that elliptical thing going crazy. <laughs> so I was on the elliptical thing, controlling what I was putting into my body. And I got back to a relatively close. I never got back to 115 until just like four years ago. Uh-huh. But I did get back into the range. I got back into like the 120 to, you know, 120, 125. Um, and whenever I would get outside of that range, it would trigger that strategy. It's like, oh, no, nope, you're not going there again. Because, you know, once you change that homeostatic balance weight for your body over time, it will default to go back there. Oh, of course. So you have to constantly be tricking it, right, to keep it where you need it to be. Um, so I had to learn that. So I learned that as well. But it's funny that you say about tricking the body. And I obviously I have quite a few male coaches that work with me here and so some of them are getting into weight loss and we talk about it quite a bit. And we also have the reverse where we have young men that are trying to gain weight, right? Cause they're trying to bulk up and it's the same thing. They they're on the opposite. They've got to put more food in their body. So their body realizes, Hey, you're tricking it. Let's turn this food into muscle because it's the only thing we can do with it. And the reverse for the, the older guys, it's, Hey, no, we got to trick our body to say, get used to this much food. So get rid of what you don't need anymore. Cause that's what I'm giving you. Exactly. Um, and so I kind of went through this because the one thing that, again, diets don't normally talk about is a maintenance period oh right? and, and being able to stay there. And so this past summer, I got down to my lowest. I got down to 189. Baseball got busy again, and I, and I started peaking back up and peaking back up. And you said it there. You all of a sudden that trigger went off in my head. It's like, oh, I got to get back on track. And then I started seeing the decline coming around. And your body will adapt to it, right? So if you're used to 2,500 calories, eventually it's going to know what to do with that 2,500 calories. And you got to trick it and shock your system to be able to do it again. So 
even way back when this was something that people talked about, right? Like we're talking 20 years ago now. Oh. <laughs> but it's what it is, right? So yeah. I, I think it's really exciting. And you even tell yourself now that you're able to mentally be able to say, hey, flick the trigger, we got to get going. And now when that happens, is it still just the calorie in, calorie out, and you're watching it? Or is it just more so, hey, I'm going to eat healthier? You know what? It's seasonal. I'm going to tell you because in my, in, okay, I'm going to tell my age again. So in my, you know, in my 30s and 40s, it was really about being present for the kids and being active. Like, you know, little kids at that age, they need you to be agile. They need you to be able to run with them and move with them. And 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 they have no end to their energy, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and your kids are like my kids, like they're hyperactive. So they were very much like that as little ones. Um, so it was more there, it was more focused there. And also, honestly, the vanity, like get back to what you were pre because you want to look like a slim, clean mom, right? Mm-hmm. In my 40s, it shifted because your body, women's bodies shift. You know, every 10 years we have hormone changes. And in our 40s, you know, we get out of that childbearing sort of kind of system change like a, a new a new program comes in so to speak and it became more about um health and kind of like depending on the role you have in life for me it was very professional like I had to go into professional environments I had to be in front of people a lot I had to so it was more about um self-confidence and self-esteem and kind of like image and how does this all come together so those, during those years, it was difficult. In the, my 40s, it was challenging because now the motivation was no longer so altruistic like my kids, right? That's an easy, hard one. When it becomes about you, it's always, it's not that easy sometimes because sometimes you're thinking, because your perception of what you look like is not truth, right? It's what you want to be looking like. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I think from a, weight loss, sorry, from a weight loss standpoint, like, when you talk about it, it's about your own self-perception. I, If I don't go back and look at pictures of myself, sometimes I don't realize yes. that I've actually lost weight, right? Like, yes. I know we haven't seen each other since I think I started. I think the last time you saw me, I was probably around my heaviest yeah. in person. And it is something that I go back now and those photos help me and motivate me. So what did you do when you did make that chair change for yourself to help motivate yourself to continue going? It had a lot to do with community, like surrounding myself with people who would tell me truth, like what I wasn't seeing and they would see it, right? I would be seeing my, you got to get into a bit of, um, when you've struggled with weight and I have all my life. So let's, that needs to be clear. It wasn't like, oh, I was 115 all my life and it was beautiful and sailing. No, I struggled with weight. I knew that was my weight, but I struggled with it my whole life. So you got to, you kind of get into this. Um, body dysphoria where you think what you see is not really what is true so I had to surround myself with people who would tell me the truth they would like like you know I'd step out and our sister would tell me you know stop it (laughs) you're fine and I'd say no no you know I I still don't feel good and whatever she's like listen you're becoming anorexic you need to stop (laughs) that sort of thing or I have a girlfriend, you know, who who would look at me and just kind of say, you know, you're really building hard on yourself, and it's not truth. Like you, you look good, you look healthy, um, and it was a little bit of reflection, looking at pictures and kind of that sort of thing. But but at shortly near the end of 40s, coming into 50s, it triggered something completely different. It was about wellness. It became solely about listen, what kind of quality of life am I going to have down the years from now? where all of the things that we do when we're young have such a huge impact and we don't realize it until we're there, 
right? Then I started looking at dad and started looking at my mom. And I said, hey, my dad, our dad's been a yo-yo. Like he's been 250 pounds as well as he's been 150, you know? And he does this like a yo-yo. It's like a roller coaster with him. And I said, wow, but then there's cardiac issues in his family and there's high blood pressure issues. And, you know, although we can change our genetic makeup, our DNA, so to speak, by the way we live, I was really, I started to get worried about that. I was like, well, what am I actually doing to myself? And then I really started to learn more. So for me, I always default to learning. What I don't know, I need to learn, right? And I started learning about the body and the mind and the connection. So, you know, I realized that we all struggle with our body images and our weight, but really it has to do with the way that we see ourselves and what the value is and meaning that we give it. So it became more mind-body connection for me. Mm -hmm. Now it's less about the outer as more about the inner. Like, Yeah. And I love that part because that's a different part than most people even think about. And it it took time to get there. And I think one – we always got to learn from our past. The history is going to be there. So don't think anybody, nobody should think that this is the first time somebody's going through this because somebody else has probably gone through it. So when you talk about the wellness, what was some of the trigger points that somebody could use to start thinking about that kind of stuff? So definitely looking at like your sleep cadence, like, are you really sleeping how you should be sleeping so that you're giving your body the best opportunity to regenerate and help you? you know, your hydration, your movement, like, what are you actually doing for movement? Because it changes. And every season, your body changes, you know, you have to know what works for you now. Um, So it was triggers like that, it was like trying to default to things that I had done before, and not finding that they were giving me the results. Like you said, you trick your body. And right now it's responding. But there will come a day when you trick your body, and it won't respond the way that it did. And then you're thinking to yourself, okay, what the hell happened? (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, you got to think, okay, well, that's because, you know, age, (laughs) genetics, and, you know, and the process, right? And so I had, so I was triggered by that. I I was triggered by the fact that I'm not Jessica 20, I'm Jessica 50. And what's the best I can do for my body now? Right. And so I started really working on my mind more than my body. And so, you know, now I look in a mirror and I don't necessarily see small, bigger, indifferent. I see, you know, a reflection of who I've become, all of those things, right? Uh, and you've had a great history of different accomplishments. And I'm sure you had some failures in your life too that you're able to reflect on. And so what I like to hear more about the mental part of it because we struggle with that probably at a younger age more so than as we get older and a little bit more mature is the mental heart of it and failure, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about the wellness of the way that you're feeling, what are some trigger points that you use today that you may have wished you thought about when you were in your thirties? So like two come to mind right away. One is grace, like, you know, have realistic expectations, right? Those are, those are like heavy duty. It's like when, and have the expectations that are specific to you, like to your design. Um, If you can set that, data point for yourself and it's uniquely for you you're more likely to achieve it and when you don't because I didn't every time I failed then it's grace it's like understanding that in failure there's something to be learned and it's just that that didn't work so let's try something different not oh that didn't work let's give up right right I like that that. so those are the two main things especially when it comes to like 
mindset, right? Because there's this, this, there's different schools of thought that tell you different directions. And I always reverse engineer things. I say, you know, we were designed perfectly. We messed it up. That makes sense, right? It's our eating habits. It's our lifestyle, right? Like people choose to smoke. That's going to have its consequences. I choose to go eat McDonald's every day. It's going to have its consequences. I choose not to eat and I'm going to have consequences. So you're right. Our, Our body knows what it needs. It doesn't necessarily tell you what you need to do. And you have to sometimes figure that out and you're going to fail at times, but if you can be successful, you'll really know what works best for you. I, one of my regrets, and I still want to, once we get out of here is I never did go see a doctor prior to starting and getting my blood taken and all that stuff. So hopefully as things open up a little bit more here in Ontario, I'll be able to go adventure down that path. Cause it's something that very much intrigues me. And I want to be able to help support other people from that side. So but that's exciting. I, I think the mental health part, is huge. And you've really, in the last, I'm going to probably say four or five years, you've taken a, a new approach to helping people and specifically women, right, uh, that are struggling with different things. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, five, well, actually, now it's going on six years. Six years ago, I just had like a knock on my heart and it was you know a door that needed to be open which was to leave the entrepreneurial world for a season you know I had been an entrepreneur since I was born um, and to leave it for a season and to kind of focus all my energy on giving back so I opened a nonprofit in the United States and you know side note raised in Canada we have a totally different concept of what nonprofits are here in the United States, you know, nonprofits are a business. It's just that you don't pay taxes. Um, And I didn't know that at the time. So I was opening it up with the mindset of Canadian nonprofit, which is very altruistic and socially value driven. And, you know, I saw hurting women. I saw a lot of women who um, nine out of 10 women who had had some sort of sexual or exploitive trauma in their younger years and that they were still carrying that burden. And it was manifesting in their health, in their minds, in what they did. Um, And I just decided, you know, I just felt the call that I needed to do something. So the only thing I knew how to do was to build some level of business. So I built a nonprofit. And so it's a safe haven really for education and empowerment and for um, vocational sustainability services for women and men, really, it's not just for women, but um, predominantly women come through our threshold, who have walked out of, you know, sexual exploitation, domestic violence, rape, any kind of horrific exploitation or criminal offense towards women, um, and the violation of rights. Um, And so I see a lot of trafficking victims as well, which is now much more mainstream in the media, but it's existed for forever. Um, and so a lot of the work we do obviously is, um, you know, when you look at the hierarchy of needs, you got to look at the basic needs first and physical well-being is there. And so, you know, simple things, teaching how to eat within means, how they can, how they can hydrate the importance of, you know, sleep and all of that goes into life skills. Cause it's amazing. You know, when you've gone through trauma, you forget what you should know as the basics, Somehow it, it was never needed, right, to survive at the time. Right. So we kind of re, retrain so that we can get people back into restoration and wholeness. No, I think, it, I, and I, I think it's awesome. And I had the opportunity, I think it was back in 2018, to join one of your events. And 
I got to hear the stories and I think my perception going into it was it was probably more about the the human trafficking side but then I got to hear all the other different stories yeah. whether it was through the divorce whether it was a modeling career where she had struggled through that even my own niece shared a story that I had never heard in my past and giving women and men the opportunity to speak about that I think again goes back to even people who are trying to lose weight it's you're not alone don't feel like you're fighting all by yourself because you're going to have support on many different levels from that Absolutely. side. So I uh, commend you for that because I think it's awesome. I follow along. But you also, there was some exercise involved with that because when it started, you and Sam, my niece, were training. What was that all about? <laughs> yeah. So we got involved with another nonprofit. So we do a lot of collaboratives with other nonprofits because it's a mammoth of a problem, obviously. And very, very lucrative. Um, we did what was called Freedom Challenge. So we climbed mountains um, and Freedom Challenge went to Kilimanjaro and, you know, they climbed some pretty hefty mountains. We did Tetons, the, the Tetons in Tennessee, <laughs> a little less dramatic, <laughs> but pretty dramatic for me because I'm a stiletto girl, not a... <laughs> I'm not a mountain climbing boot person. Um, and I went up to thir almost 13,000 feet above sea level. Um, so we were in the glaciers and I, I actually launched the first book for the foundation there. That was the foundational story, um, Rise Up. And so it was all about rising up. All right. <laughs> Had to train. <laughs> you did. You definitely did. I remember you guys making your Facebook posts and putting it out there with you guys yeah. training. And so, I mean... Again, it, it comes back to goal setting. You guys had set some goals. And I think yeah. whether business, weight loss, mental health, if you set goals, I think that's the first step. Right? Yeah. You can't set a goal. You're not going to be able to get there. And you are an inspiration specifically to myself, but I'm sure to many others of setting goals and achieving them because you will be successful when that happens. So I think that that's my thank you to you, but I'm sure other people have lots of thank yous to you also from uh, learning from your mistakes that you made that we get to be able to learn from and go forward, which yeah. is awesome. Absolutely. So that's cool. I know you're also into a, a new, I'm going to hopefully I say this right. It's the at DRJ integrative wellness, mm -hmm. which is going back to that wellness from the mind, body, and soul Talk yeah. to me a little bit about that because I'm seeing it starting to pop up and I see it on Instagram and it looks really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's been six really hard years establishing the foundation and um, bringing some amazing people alongside because you never do this journey on your own. It's always in collaboration. And I finally felt like, okay, great, wonderful. Thank you, God. You know, you've, you've brought some amazing people, people to carry on the legacy work, you know, that was started and um, and we're there. So it allowed me to free myself to finally say, okay, you've done this part. Now you get to step back into what's natural for you, which is entrepreneurialism, right? And, mm -hmm. and um, building out. So Dr. J's the brand and um, I am very much pushing out global wellness because I think that, like you said, there's needs to be a change in the narrative about dieting and health and wellness and the stigma around mental health. So it's called um, integrative wellness, but it will be part of um, global wellness, really. It's a larger consortiums of a whole bunch of different companies um, that will support um, neuro brain wellness and um, fitness and, and health and wellness, as well as um, financial wellness 
Um, and then the line that just got launched is kind of like my um, legacy tribute to my mom because she was an esthetician for our, her entire life. Um, and she worked with a line of creams that were um, developed by a physician in France that I've used since I was 15 years old. And yeah, there's a genetic component to my skin, but there's also the, the fact that I've never used soap. I've never used any extringent. I've never used a lot of makeup. You know, um, and I'm often, thank you, God, you know, said, oh, you like my hair in your 30s. <laughs> and I say, OK, great. Thanks. <laughs> I, I recall every for years people would say, oh, you have a sister and a brother because we have a brother that also lives down in the States. And I was always like, yeah, I think they're in their 30s, somewhere around their 30s. This <laughs> would have been 10 years ago. I was still saying this and five years ago. Yeah. It wasn't until our other oh, sister Alicia, said something. No, they're, they're in their 40s. Like, I get it right. I'm like, oh. They're much no. older. We're in our fifties, buddy. <laughs> there you go. See, I'm still behind. So it is. Um, it's definitely really interesting with that that line. So I'm excited to follow, and we'll have to get you back on to have some updates when yes, that going from there. Yeah, you. You've yeah. given a lot of advice, but I want to leave with your number one thing that you would say, maybe specifically to women, but. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, no, let's leave it at women. What is your advice to women that either have just had a baby or are going to be coming maybe up on a year or two and they just don't feel like themselves? Yeah, I would say my number one takeaway in life is learn to love yourself in all of your forms and seasons. Just love yourself. Love yourself because your value is not in how you look on the outside or you know, your value is not in that number on the scale or even in the many hats that we wear as women. That's not our value. Our value is in our core. It's like Mm -hmm. your essence, you know, your value as a human being. And that was a, that's a lesson I'm continuously learning. And it's something that if you can learn that early on, then you're going to be able to save yourself a lot of heartache because most of our heartache and failures come from those expectations and perceptions that we assume and internalize from the outside that's awesome yeah so just learn to love yourself no and i think it's something that i've learned throughout my journey and seeing and being able to share these stories is that sometimes it takes that light bulb but you're right it is about yourself to make sure that you're comfortable and you love yourself and you can do it if you want to do it you're going to do it absolutely you're going to do it So that's awesome. Again, thank you so much for joining me. And I know we're going to have you back on again. And um, we'll talk more and more and more throughout it. And I'm hoping that we get to come down at some point this year and visit those nice oranges in Florida. Well, let me tell you something else. I'm just going to say, I'm going to plug two seconds, Lori. I am like so proud of you. So, so proud of you because you took the bull by the horns talking about goals, right? In the middle of a pandemic where everybody's sticking their head in their sand saying, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Where is life going to lead us? Like you launched a podcast. <laughs> and not only did you launch a podcast, but like a heart path, you know, it's a heart project for you. And I'm so proud, truly so proud of what you've done for yourself, for your kids, for your family and for the rest of us, because you're putting out messages that a lot of people are struggling with. A lot of people, you know, COVID-20 is real. Yeah. So you're you're coming into the market at a time when it's really needed. I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. And uh, this journey isn't done, and we're going to keep pounding away and get it going from there. So 
Um, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I'm excited to share your story and we'll have you back on very shortly. And I'm excited to show you my before and after picture. No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, perfect. Thank you for listening to the I'll Finish That podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share, let's get it out there to support others during their journey. You can reach out to myself on Instagram or Twitter at coach underscore Elvira. Remember, you're not alone. You can do it. And you're more powerful than you ever could imagine. Stay fit and have fun. <laughs>